Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study. So tonight, we're going to be uh, in a new book tonight. We're opening up the book of Philemon. Um, you know, as, as some of the uh, people have asked uh, what study we're, we're going to be studying in, we just got done with Titus. And it's interesting that uh, even some people that have been in the Bible or been in the Bible for some time, they ask, hey, Mike, where, where are you going next? And, and uh, some people, um, these are some people I know at work, and they say, where are you going next? And I said, I'm going to uh, the book of Philemon. And they said, oh, you're going into the Minor Prophets. You're going to Old Testament. You're going to the Old Testament. And it's interesting because uh, Philemon is such a short book. Um, it's only, you know, most of the time, if it's some people's Bibles, if, you know, they're only one page. And so it's really easy to skip over it as you're going in between Hebrews. And a lot of people like Hebrews. And this is the direction we're going next. We're going to be going to Hebrews after we're done here. Uh, but this is one of the last letters they consider the last letters of Paul. Um, there is many commentators that do talk about the book of Hebrews, um, where they do some commentators and some Bible expositors do believe that Paul um, had something to do with Hebrews, uh, but it does not carry his name. Um, it does not say that he is the author, but we know that all scripture is inspired uh, by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And so it doesn't really matter who it is. Uh, but before we get um, heavily, I'm going to read through the chapter. But before we do that, let's pray to the Lord for tonight's study. And so, Father God, we, uh, we lift up tonight's study to you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you would uh, move on our hearts. Um, Lord, may we um, eliminate all the distractions um, that we have in our minds, Lord, before we came here, Lord, and may we focus in on what it is that you have to say to us. Uh, we've come here tonight, Father, to hear from you. And so, Lord, minister to your children. We pray all of these things tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so here we go. We're going to start off in uh, verse 1, uh, chapter 1. So Paul, a, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Althea, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner <clears throat> of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, who I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I want to do nothing that your good deed might not be compulsive, as it were by voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, 
that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you, can, you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if, you, but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, uh, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. And Frathus, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. So we see uh, the, the book of Philemon. I'll give you a little bit of a background for Philemon as we were reading through it. I meant some of it as you read through it at first read, you kind of think, well, who are some of these characters in there? And uh, we're going to open up tonight and we're going to see a couple of people. First of all, Philemon. Uh, Philemon is a, a man who is a, a wealthy believer. He's a follower of Christ. Um, this letter um, that Paul is writing, he's writing it to Philemon. And he's actually, they, they say that he is actually a wealthy a Christian. That he's actually uh, somebody that has um, some money. And what, what's interesting about this, I think, is that we see that they're believers. A lot of times, as some of the parables that come in the Bible, uh, people have said that some of the uh, people that, uh, that maybe God has something against people that have money, they've heard parables about the rich man. Uh, but it has nothing to do, God has nothing to do with people that, uh, he doesn't dislike people because they have money. As I, I was uh, studying for another study, and it's interesting, in Deuteronomy uh, 17, 17, it said the king, um, this was referring to King David and King Solomon, they were not to multiply um, three things, and it was gold, it was horses, and it was wives. And we see that it was interesting that King Solomon, as we were, I was studying through that, I wanted to share with you, he, 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 he multiplied all three of them. Gold, um, wives, um, you know, we, we said uh, 700 wives, 300 concubines, 1,000, um, and so 1,000 women. And, and I love the way that Pastor Ed always says, think mother-in-laws. Think mother-in-laws. <laughs> think mother-in-laws, and I just love that. So he shares that with us. But yes, the Bible does say, is not condoning any of these things. The Bible does say that uh, marriage is between one man and one woman. Uh, the two shall become one. But the reason why I bring these up is because the gold and the horses. Um, so some people think that, hey, is God trying to keep man from, you know, having, uh, you know, more? And, and not at all. What, what God in the Old Testament was doing, he was trying to make the kings not to be uh, relying on the horses. And so you think about a mighty army. If there was a mighty army... And if it had a bunch of horses, uh, you would know that, hey, well, I can conquer anybody in the, in the known world. So I would put my confidence in the horses rather than putting my trust in the Lord. And the same thing with it goes financially. And I think that stands for today. Uh, financially, sometimes there's people that can have money and they use it for the things of God. And so God doesn't have any problem with people having money. Uh, but some of us, 
Um, you like, uh, they say, that, and it's, it's proven every time that somebody wins the lottery, they win millions of dollars, and some people, they actually have a show that say that this is the worst thing that ever happened to them in their whole life. Uh, their family was destroyed. Um, people, their family and friends who they, who they knew that were truly their friends are no longer their friends because money destroyed. Um, and so uh, we see that, um, but I, I, I just want to give you a little bit of background of Philemon. And so he is a wealthy, and he is wealthy enough that um, he has a slave, slaves probably. Um, he actually has servants working for him. Um, and I know that this, uh, we look at this a little bit differently, but in those days, we talked about this before, that oftentimes the slaves were men who were um, owed a debt. And so they were working to pay off that debt. And so uh, they wouldn't uh, be slaves uh, unless they volunteered to be a bond servant that after their seven years, they could be released. And if some of the slaves were, their, their owners were so kind to them, they, they could ask, I want to stay, I still want to continue. And then they would actually put an all in their ear and they would that way everybody would know that they willingly became a, uh, a bond servant of their master um, and so it's amazing uh, to see that but as we talk about the bible that many of us as we've come to christ that we should be bond servants of, of the lord that we have willingly given our lives to the lord to to serve god and so we see those things and one of the things that um as we talked about um this letter that was written by philemon it was written very early, 60, 61 AD, they say. And they, they do figure that it was probably written about the same time that he writes Colossians. Very, very close. They, they do list uh, Colossians being written in 60, 61 also. And so these two letters, and you can see that this letter is very small. I love the way that one of the commentators referred to the book of Philemon as a postcard. He said it's kind of like a postcard, you know. Um, and if you, uh, I'll give you a little bit of background. Uh, the next character that we're going to come is Onesimus. And he is the slave. And the reason why this comes into play, this story, is because he actually, the story, as we'll find out, that he actually stole uh, something from his master, from Philemon. He stole something, and he ran away. He went 1,500 miles, um, and he went to Rome, and he runs into the Apostle Paul. Uh, and it's interesting that, um, as you think about this, that he would go 1,500 miles running from his master, and he ends up in a prison next to or in the same cell as Paul the Apostle. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I, can you imagine the, the conversation that you're having with this uh, person? Um, you know, and also I did, what I left out of it kind of that, um, uh, that Onesimus, he's from Colossae, which is, you know, the, where, the, where they wrote the letter, letter to the Colossians. And so he's from Colossae. And so can you imagine when he got there in the cell and, and maybe uh, he asked Onesimus, probably asked Paul, okay, what are you in here for? He says, I'm here for preaching the gospel, and we're going to see that tonight. Uh, but can you imagine when Paul asked him, so um, where are you from? And he says, oh, I'm from Colossae. And he said, oh, what are you in here for? And he says, I'm in here probably because they, some of the commentators believe that he went to Rome and would, continued to steal things or take things, and that ended him up back in prison. And so as he's in there, and he says, well, for, for taking things. And he says, well, I'm from Colossae. And he says, you know, and I'm sure Paul says, hey, I know someone in Colossae. Do you know Philemon? And he says, wow, that's my master, right? My master, isn't it amazing? But isn't God, doesn't God orchestrate those things? Go ahead, Chris. Well, and uh, it's believed that Philemon um, uh, may have had a house big enough and that he actually hosted the church. Yes, yes. And so I'm also wondering if maybe it's just conjecture about that 
uh, Onesimus might have even recognized Paul or knew him because he may have seen him there. As yeah, there is some commentators that say that when he left, that he might have actually went to Rome looking for Paul. Mm. Um, and others say that maybe possibly that he did run into some kind of trouble. Like you said, though, it's conjecture. We don't know for sure that maybe he did get in trouble. At, and he, but anyhow, it is an amazing thing that you would go 1,500 miles away and that you would be running from somebody and that you would find somebody that knows the person that you're running from. And isn't that God, though? Isn't the way that God orchestrates things? And it's just so amazing to see. So one of the other things I'll tell you really quickly, briefly, is this considered one of the, the prison epistles of Paul? Uh, we remember that Philippians, um, Ephesians, Colossians, and then here in Philemon, they are considered the epistles that Paul wrote while he was in prison. Remember, as we were going through the book of Timothy, remember 6061, um, they believed that he was in, in, in prison. And this is, uh, as he's in prison, this is kind of a, a loose kind of prison as we were studying the book of Acts, that he was sometimes, he was under like kind of house arrest. And remember that every time that he was chained to somebody, that he would always lead them to Christ. And as we pick up this story tonight, we're going to, before we get into it too deep, Philemon is actually was led to the Lord um, by Paul the Apostle. And it's amazing if you had a, and I'd love to be a man that when you interact that somebody that it seemed like everybody who Paul knew came to know Christ, came to know Christ. And so, and we're going to see in this story as we go through it, that actually he's actually going to lead Onesimus to the Lord also. And so you can tell that Paul never missed out on an opportunity and so we'll pick it up here in verse 1, on chapter 1, and we'll see what the Lord has for us. And so it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. Really quickly, um, one of the things that stands out here is that Paul says that he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You see, he doesn't say that I'm a prisoner of Rome. He doesn't say I'm a prisoner of Caesar Nero. He understands that Jesus Christ has him where he wants him. He is exactly where he wants to be. And, and this got me thinking a little bit this week that I met many times in my life, I think that when things are happening, and especially things that are not happening good in my life, I think that, oh no, this is bad. And so my prayer to the Lord is, Lord, get me out of this. Lord, deliver me from this. Get me out of this. But we can see that Paul the Apostle, he, he never tried to defend himself. He never said, you know what, I'm being wrongfully accused and I shouldn't be here because I was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see that he is going to interact here with other criminals that actually were thieves and people that have taken things, a runaway slave, but he doesn't ever say, you know what, I'm being wrongfully accused. And it got me thinking also that we should, the Lord will let us, but we should never try to defend ourselves. When somebody brings something up against us, we shouldn't try to defend ourselves. The Lord will let us, but the reality is that we should allow the Lord to defend us. Because if we haven't truly done anything wrong, then the Lord will elevate us. If we will come in humility. Remember, we are to walk differently than the world. The world says, hey, if somebody says something to you, you do something to them back, right? An eye for an eye, right? Isn't that what some people preach? But the Lord says, no, no. He says, love your enemies. Do good those to those who use you, right? And so we're going to see a little bit of that tonight. So this is one of the things that I thought was amazing, um, that, that we see that he was a prisoner and he knew exactly uh, where he was at. And so here in verse 2, it says, To the beloved Althea, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. And so really quickly, this is, I'll, I'll let you know who the people are. Um, 
Althea, in, in the NLT it says Sister Althea, and so they believe um, that this is the wife of, of, of Philemon. This is his wife. And so they're writing this letter, they're writing it to him, they're writing it to his wife. Um, and it's funny, Archip is here, they do believe that that's their son. Um, and they are having a church, kind of like what we're having here tonight. They have a church in their house. And I just think it's amazing to see that we see that Philemon was a man who had some wealth. And he's using that wealth for the furtherance of the gospel. Having people come into his house. And I'm sure in, those, uh, in this time, there isn't too many people that have a house big enough that could accommodate people coming and, and, and you know sharing in the love of Christ. And so we see that he is using that. And you know, the first, uh, it was actually Pastor Gray talked about it this Sunday. He said for the first 200 years, the church didn't even have any buildings that they met in homes. Um, and this is where the people met as a church. And so as we think about the church, and I think we all speak about this, oftentimes when we think about, well, on Sunday I'm going to go to church. Yes, it is church because we go to that building, but it makes it a church because we gather with a body of believers. We are the church, the body of believers. If we went out and we met at the packing house and we met out in the parking lot, we still would be at church. As we gather as believers, we are the church. And so, you know, we don't. We shouldn't get caught up. Uh, the Bible says, right, that, that the Lord doesn't dwell in brick and mortar, right? He dwells in our hearts. He dwells in our hearts. And so um, it's important for us to see that. And so um, we'll pick it up here in verse 3. And it says, um, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, this is uh, typical as Paul's letter. He writes it and he always writes peace after grace. And one of the things that uh, we know for sure that it is impossible to truly have peace until we understand grace. Until we understand grace, the unmerited favor with God. And it really has nothing to do, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm probably beating a dead horse telling you guys this, that um, it's not about what we did or what how we're doing. It's about what he did and how he accomplished it all on the cross. That's what grace is. And so we, we need not to try to strive to get into better favor with God. Remember we talked about this um, when we were going through the last chapter of Titus, that we do good works because we are followers. We are not trying to gain favor with God. We are not trying to earn our way to heaven. God has already given us. We have, each and every one of us. If you are a believer of Christ tonight, you have your ticket in your hand already. We are just waiting for the train to pick us up and for us to get on and to be in the presence of the Lord. And what an amazing time that will be. And so um, we see that there. And so in verse 4 it says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. One of the things that I want to point out here is that I remember as I've come here and oftentimes many of you I've heard and I've actually learned this from some of you um, that many times people come and they say, hey, I got this going on in my life. I got that going on in my life. And they say, oh, I'll pray for you. And I always, as, as I've come to studies and I've gone to the packing house, I always make it a point to let's pray right now. And I've learned that from some of you guys, that you guys come and say, no, let's pray right now. And so I remember in the past that I would tell somebody, too, I'll pray for you. And it would be a week later. And I say, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, and I never pray for him. And so <laughs> we pray. It's like this is a week late, but it's not that the Lord. Go ahead, Chuck. Not only that, when you pray for him right then, it kind of lifts up their spirit. Yes. And right? yes. lets you know that, man, someone yes. does care. They you know, does care. Yes. So, so. Yes. And, it, and it's that channel that the channel that they they know that um, they can come to the Lord and no matter what it is and no matter how big or how small. 
But one of the things that would really, and this is one of the things I was talking about earlier before we, uh, before we open tonight. Uh, well, this is like a preemptive prayer here. Because we see that Paul the Apostle is asking for prayer uh, for Philemon, who it doesn't say has anything going on. And so he is praying for him when everything is going well. And these are one of the things that we should get into the habit of praying for others who are doing well. Not, not only just doing well in Christ, but are doing well. They don't have any ailments. Their, their children seem to be doing fine. And we should just lift up a prayer and say, Lord, keep them um, and keep them healthy and keep them everything going on. And we should lift them up. And we should, it's kind of like in the, in the workplace. Don't we have a saying in the workplace and we say the squeaky, uh, the squeaky wheel gets oiled, right? And it always seems like the good workers, they kind of get overlooked, right? Because they're just there doing their work day in and day out. But in the workplace, as us, as Christians, as employers, uh, we should always, if there's somebody that comes in and does a good job for us, it, I don't know about you guys, but I always love, and it's not that you're patting my ego, it just loves when somebody says, hey, you did a good job today, thank you very much. Or even if it's just at the very end of the day, people would say thank you. Um, and, and, and we know that we're the employees, we know that we're there to get a paycheck, but that thank you makes us part of the family. And it makes me want to come to work, and it makes me want to break my back for whatever it is that they ask me for. I'll, I'll just break my back and do whatever they ask me for. But one of the things, as we were talking about this preemptive prayer, um, this is how um, the Lord actually showed us um, to pray. He said, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so that comes from Matthew 6.13. And this is, uh, we see the power of prayer. Um, 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.16-18 through 18 says, um, first it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So many times I think we think, what is the will of God for my life? And we see there in that verse it is prayer. And it's not only prayer for ourselves, but it's prayer for others. For prayers for others, that we would lift others up. I think, yes, and to be thankful, yes, to be in thanksgiving. Thank you very much, Mark, and to be thankful. Um, and there's so many things to be thankful. And I think even in terrible situations that I've been in, in, in the family and other things that I've been in, there's always, uh, there's always, always something to be thankful about. There's always something to be thankful about. And the Lord is so generous and he wants to give us so, so many good gifts. I think he's so. But you know what? The reality is that prayer changes us. And this is the reason why God has called us to pray. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to, to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You see, the reason why the Lord asked us to pray for others is because it changes us. Even when people have wronged us and have done things wrong, and we're going to see this as this Onesimus, as he comes up here, and this is one of the things that really talks about that this prayer, this, this um, heart of forgiveness that we should have for others. And I think that we should, I think in our hearts, I grew up in a place that, well, if he asks, if he asks me, if he says sorry to me, then I'll forgive him. But if he doesn't ask, say sorry to me, then I'm not going to forgive him, right? But the reality is that forgiveness in our hearts, when we, when we uh, harbor bitterness, we're actually killing ourselves. We're actually killing ourselves. We're making it harder on ourselves. You know, a lot of times there's people that have done things to us. They're living their lives, and they have no idea that they've hurt us. And so they're living their lives, but we hold this bitterness in our heart for them because something they've done. And so we need to release those things. We need to release them and, and forgive them. And I know it's hard, and, and it's just like the Lord says here, I know it's easy to say to quote the Lord's Prayer, but it's very, very hard to do, especially if somebody has done some terrible things. And I know some people that have done some terrible things to each other. 
I mean, we live in a world that we, the Bible says that our hearts are deceitfully wicked, right? And so we do things to each other, and, and there's certain circumstances, and we shouldn't do those things. And sometimes many men or many women, they're embarrassed about the things they've done, and they just want to avoid it. But oftentimes we just need to offer up a prayer to the Lord. Lord, forgive them for what they've done. Forgive them. And, and they just get, get it over and done with, get it out in the open. It'll make us, it is freeing. It is very freeing. So it reminds me of the song uh, Forgiveness by Matthew West, who was a beautiful song written about a gal who lost her daughter and her daughter's closest friend in a car accident because a drunk driver hit her <clears throat> and killed her, her daughter and stuff. And for the first year or so, um, she um, was very bitter and really struggling. But God got a hold of her, changed her heart about it. She went to the prison and forgave him for doing that. And then it even went further than that, that she, um, Matthew West heard that story. And the family even said uh, they got together and they went to uh, appeal his sentence because he was sentenced to 20 years. Mm. And they asked for his sentence to be reduced. Uh, and the judge did. He reduced it to 10 years. 10 years. And then after all of that, uh, when he got out uh, for two years, he went with her on a tour around high schools in this country speaking wow. about God changing his life, but also saying what a disaster it was to be, you know, a drunk yes. and yes. killing somebody. Yes. And you just see the immense yes. uh, wonder, again, just God being so deeply yes. ingrained in things like that yes. and, and what forgiveness yes. means. You know, and I also would like to add something to, you know, this. And in Matthew West's song, one of the lines in it says that if you can't forgive like that lady did, then you are the prisoner. Yes, you're right. You're the, right. Prisoner, you're the prisoner because you're the one that's being eaten away at yes. for the wrong. Yes. And, uh, and I think, too, in this story, too, it just reminds me, too, that um, in thankfulness, it's a direct connection to peace. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And yes. when we are, even in the worst of circumstances, when we're saying, God, I thank you. I don't know what you're going to do in this situation, but I thank you. Yes. It brings Yes. An element of peace. peace. <coughs> Sorry for No, 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 it's no problem, Mark. And I, and I love it because I love the, the power of forgiveness. And it is the, the forgiveness that only comes through the Lord. Because you, you talk about the situation that Mark talked about in when other children or, or somebody in their family is actually killed by somebody and for somebody to go and yeah. offer forgiveness. And uh, it wasn't too long ago that there was a, a big shooting in, in, a, in a church. And, and even before the story broke that there was people, the parishioners were coming out and people, family members had been killed. And they said that they had already forgiven the gunman that actually come and just recently had killed him. And so we see the forgiveness of God. And this is the, the life that we should live. And it's, but as we've been talking in our study, there's no bigger thing that reflects Christ. And so the world sees that forgiveness and the forgiveness and the love. And because the world says there's no, there's no other explanation for it but God. But God, there's no other explanation for it.
So yes, it's very, very powerful. So here in uh, verse 5, it says, um, Hearing of your love and faith, uh, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And so we see that Paul here is talking to Philemon, and some of the commentators seem to think that, that maybe uh, Paul is maybe buttering up, uh, uh, is he's buttering up a little bit Philemon here. Um, he's getting ready to ask him um, for a favor about Onesimus. And so, uh, so I love the way that some of the commentators had mentioned that he was trying to butter him up. But it, what's interesting here is that he said that you have, uh, you showed toward the faith in which you have toward all Jesus and toward all the saints. And we see that he's going to get an opportunity um, to see that um, if it's all the saints. And like Willie said, <laughs> all means all. And so we're going to see as he looks forward here, if he's going to have forgiveness in his heart for this uh, Onesimus. And so here in verse 6, it says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you. And so every good thing that is in you, and these are, as he's uh, has a home church, and, and I'm sure that some of the, uh, this reminded me of, of the, um, the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, um, and self-control. And that comes from Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Um, and also at Matthew 7, 15, it reminds me of uh, that we are to be known by our fruit. And this is what is actually being pointed out here, that actually Philemon, um, that he is walking in the... Uh, in, the, in a man of God as he's supposed to. As he, we see that he is walking in that way. So here in verse 7 it says, For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. And so this got me thinking a little bit about refreshment. Um, as we are called as believers, we are called to encourage others. I, I think that uh, it, it's very easy for us to get dragged into the workplace and it's so easy, especially I, I think us men, we're very good at it as we, uh, we work with other men and we see the way some people do other things. And oftentimes in my life, my experience is that I've seen people do work, but they do it differently than the way I do. And I think that we sometimes in our heart as men, we find fault with that. We say, oh, he doesn't do it right. He doesn't do it like the way I do it. So it just means that he's not doing it the way that I do it, but it doesn't mean that he's not doing it. And so um, we should always look to an opportunity to encourage others. Even in the workplace as workers, as we work together and as we, uh, we should always look to encourage one another in all things. I mean, there's, as we talked about, there's always a reason to be thankful um, for in all things to the Lord. There's always people around us um, there's all, always a reason to lift them up and encourage them and encourage them. And I, and I, I don't think there's anybody um, that really truthfully in their heart, they can say, oh, I don't want anybody to encourage me. No, we love encouragement. We love people to encourage us. Um, it, it is actually, it helps us. It, it builds us up. It, it helps us to know another thing, that there is a God. And so we see that he is a man that, uh, that we see that Philemon is a man that refreshed um, other people and he's refreshed the other brothers. And so we're going to see here, and here it comes in verse 8. Therefore, though I might uh, be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. And so just really quick here, before we get into the rest of this, um, what actually is happening here is Paul is telling, um, he is actually telling Philemon that I could order you, or I, I feel that he has, maybe he feels like he has some authority over him. He's saying that I could order you to do this, uh, but we're going to see that he's going to tell him here in the very next verse. But number nine, it says, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, um, the aged, 
and thou also uh, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And you see that he is um, calling out to Philemon. He said, I could order this to you, but I prefer that you would do it out of love. I would prefer that you would do it out of love. And so you're going to see that he's going to ask him uh, here. And so he's still, and I'm sure that uh, at this point, Philemon is still wondering, and we're going to get into this at the end of the letter, that Philemon, as, he, as he's reading this letter, he's like, who is it? Who is it that you're asking me about? Who is it? Because he hasn't dropped his name yet, right? So he wants to light him up, butter him up, make sure he tells him all this stuff about him. But then he's kind of slowly telling him all these things. And he's giving him an opportunity here. Hey, yes, go ahead. So it seems to me like Philemon um, must have been a pretty good guy for him. Yes, he's, he's a follower. He's yes. maybe buttering mm -hmm. him up for what he's going to ask. No, he's, he's a good guy. I mean, just that's just what I some commentators think. I, my, uh, again, my conjecture as I read this is that Philemon was a was a good guy. He, uh, there, some believe that he was the pastor of the church, as in his house. Yes. Or perhaps the, the high elder yes. of the church. And um, so, where I'm going with this is, uh, he probably was good to his servants. Yes. And um, and may, may have even had a really good relationship with Onesimus. Yes. And then this happens. Yes. And so it's kind of like somebody steals from you, somebody cuts off your your catalytic converter off your car, <laughs> right? Um, you know that's one thing, and it. And it makes you angry but it doesn't hurt you deeply no no but when somebody who's you're close to and uh that so i think that paul perhaps is realizes or is saying that that, that Philemon was deeply injured by this yes uh, emotionally no he he was and they do say they do talk about that he was a actually uh and they, they do believe that he was possibly a, a bond servant that he believed that he was willingly uh, a servant for uh, philemon and so but he had took something he had ran away and so i love the way that you pointed out that he had actually had this relationship with him because it does say that they had a really good relationship and when we have good relationships with people especially friends uh, we oftentimes wonder if when something happens and they go away, we oftentimes we take some of that blame ourselves and say, what did I do? We reanalyze ourselves and we say, what did I do? What could I have done to make things better? But oftentimes there's there's elements outside of our control. And, 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 we're, and you're going to see as we, we get through the study, you're going to see a little bit of reason why I believe <coughs> the reason that maybe possibly that, um, that he left. And, and so we're going to pick up, we're going to see that a little bit. But one of the things I want to get back to about his, um, he did this for love's sake that we should all do things for out of love. Um, anytime that the Lord, we do things for the Lord, or anytime that we do for any, anything for anybody, we should do it out of love. If we have to do things that are, um, that we have to do things that we don't want to do, and we have to do it, then we shouldn't do it at all. Um, that we should always do things out of love. And this, this stands true in marriage. Um, I, I, there's so many uh, men that I hear that, you know, that we always talk, and us men, as we get together, we always talk about the honeydew list. We always talk about the honeydew list. But I don't know about you guys, but I really have a joy in my heart to uh, to to fulfill some of those honeydew lists because I, I love the fact that my wife depends on me for some of the things that she can't do around the house. Um, but these are the things that I do out of love, out of love. I, I go out and I try to figure out a way to do them out of love. It seems like um, I always, you know, find a, a way to not to do it always correctly, but I try to do it out of love. <laughs> But one of the things that, um, that when I was thinking about doing it out of love, it's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, God loves a cheerful giver. And it's not only giving of 
you know, this is not always just talking about money. This is talking about our time, of our things that we give to others as we spend time doing things for the Lord for others. I think it's important that we would do it out of love. And so here in verse 10, it says, um, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. And so here it is. He, he, he actually names him. And what's interesting about this, in the original language, they say that Onesimus was the very last word. And so it actually re read in the original text, it read, I appeal to you for my son, whom I have begotten while in my chains, Onesimus. And so he left it till the very end. And so he wanted to make sure that he uh, was appealing to him. And we're going to find this out later. But what's interesting, that there's a man that we have been studying about. His name is Tychicus. And this other man, him and actually um, the, the Onesimus are going to actually take this letter to Philemon. They're going to, we're going to see at the end of this letter, they're going to be the ones that take this letter back. And this is actually covered in uh, Colossians 4, chapter seven, uh, 4, uh, verses 17 and 18, that they talk about him going back. And they take this letter back. They're the ones that departed with the letter. Uh, but they're, this, the, the expositors believe that they're the ones that took the letter. But can you imagine what Philemon thought? So you remember that, that now Philemon's bringing the letter of the Colossians, and he's bringing the letter of Philemon. Uh, he's bringing the letter of Philemon to Philemon. And they, they brought the letter to the Colossians. But can you imagine? He's standing before him. And he's looking at him and he's saying, hey, this is Onesimus. But he's like, read this first. They're like, read this first. Read this first, right? And this is the letter that he reads. And so this is, comes from Paul. But I just thought it was interesting if we put ourselves in that uh, scenario where, the, where these things are going on. And he says that he appeals to him, um, Onesimus, and he says, whom I have begotten while in my chains. And so you can see that you can't spend too much time around Paul the Apostle and not come to know Christ. And so this is what he's telling him, that Onesimus has come to know the Lord. And so he has led him to the Lord. And so we see that here. And so this is why he's appealing to him. It says, verse 11, it says, Who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. This, <clears throat> this is kind of a, <coughs> excuse me, this is kind of a play on words here. Um, it's interesting because Onesimus his name means um, his name means profitable, um, and so you can see that what he's telling him that now that he's come to know Christ, he's actually living up to his name. He's living up to his name, mm -hmm. and and one of the things as he's uh, he's come to know Christ, um, you see that that he, he I just love the way that he's that he's telling him that he was unprofitable. When he said he was unprofitable, because he's saying, hey, he ran away from you, he left and he took something from you. And he was unprofitable, but now he's going to be profitable for you and for me. But he's going to live up to his name because that's what his name means. And so, you know, you know Mike, the, the civil punishment for that was probably death. It was death. In other words, the owner could have just said, hey, um, you know, take him out and off of his head. Yeah, then he read the letter. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but it's true that you say that because it is true. In, in, in that time, um, uh, slaves were considered or servants that you had. They were they were considered property, um, and they didn't even have to run away. They didn't even have to run away. They didn't even have to do anything. They could, they were considered part of your property. So the owner actually had uh, total to do whatever he wanted. He could have took out a, 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 a slave and actually killed him for no reason at all. It could have been something that he thought they did. It could have been something he could have, he didn't have any reason. He could have just went out and killed him. Uh, a lot of times when people um, we were going to get into this in the study, but a lot of times when they um, when they would run away, the very least they would do to them, that they would bring them back 
and they would actually brand them on their forehead and they would put an F on there, they would brand it on their forehead. And it stood for, in the Greek, I believe it's festivia, uh, which is uh, fugitive, which is fugitive. And so they, 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 they actually, that was the very least they would, somebody would come back and they would actually brand them with an F on their forehead. And so, yes, one of the things for sure, and you're right, they, I'm, sure when he, I'm sure that uh, if I was uh, Onesimus, I would be like, give him the letter, like, <laughs> yeah, try to drop it off and try to get back really quick and see if he's going to do something before he reads the letter. But we see the love of Christ in this, and it's just so powerful. So here in verse 12, it says, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart. And so he's just tell, simply telling him, receive him, and that's would warm my heart if you would receive him. Um, and, for, and he's going to see, we're going to ask, he's going to ask him for forgiveness. And so it says in verse 13, it says, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf, he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. And so we see here that Paul actually wanted to keep Onesimus back with him. And he wanted to use him to further the gospel. But we're going to see here in the very next thing. But he says in verse 14, it says, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good uh, deed might not be compulsive, compulsion, as it were, by voluntary. And so he's saying he didn't want to take his good deed from him. And so he says, I'm going to bring it, send Onesimus back to you. And so it's not, I'm not going to order you to do it. He says, I want you to do it voluntarily by your heart, by your heart. I want you to do it out of your heart. He would and, have been a missionary that Philemon sent out. That's right. He would have been a missionary, yes. And so he could actually send him out from there. And so he, he could actually be, as, as, as still as a servant, and then he could kind of, you know, help him and everybody would know. And then not only that, though, I think about him being a home church, that he could minister to the people that were coming to the home church, too, and he could be used there. And it so seems, he just, It seems, too, like Paul is saying, I want him back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I want him to go make things right. Yes. First. Yes. Yeah. Your voice. Yes. Yes. And uh, because I, he already is my heart. He's yes. My heart. Yes. Onesimus yeah. is. And, yes. Uh, and, and so we see something here in Onesimus, and you can probably think about, we try to put ourselves in the foots of Onesimus when he goes back. And how many times in our lives that we've done something in the past that we're always in fear that the past is going to come back and haunt us? And so these are the things that I see here. Uh, but we need to remember um, that we, if we repent and ask for forgiveness, and one, once again, uh, one, uh, 1 John 1, 9 comes up, and it says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is sins that are past, present, and future sins. He took our sins, all of them, on the cross. And so oftentimes I think it's the enemy who whispers in our ears. Um, these people that think so highly of you, they truly don't know you, Mike, because they don't. I know what you've done in the past. But we need to tell the enemy that it's okay because our Lord and Savior has forgiven us for things all past, present, and future. He's forgiven us on the blood. He took it to the cross. And so we need to re remind him always. And so here in verse 14, it says, But without oh, your consent, I wanted to do nothing, um, that your good deed might not go for compulsive, as it were voluntary. And here in verse 15, it says, But perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. So this is so, goes down the line of what Chris said, that see that he actually left. And this might have been something that they're pointing out that the Lord orchestrated all along, that he would go 1,500 miles to Rome, meet Paul the Apostle, come to know Christ, and then be sent back 
but now he has them forever that they're believers. And, I, and oftentimes I think about this in our own lives, that there's people that God is uh, putting in our lives that how we came to know Christ. And a lot of times we think, wow, that's, that's really amazing, but the Lord is orchestrating all those things. And so as it points out here, it made me think about this is the reason why he ran so he could be led to the Lord. And so it's powerful that we would see that in, in this whole thing, that he would go 1,500 miles and he would come to know Christ. And then now, um, and this is one thing that as I, as I, you know, one of the things I was thinking about this too, that we think about that they were separated, you know, that Onesimus and, and, and Onesimus and Philemon, they were separated for a while, but now they're going to be reunited, reunited and it's going to be eternal. That they're going to be down together eternally. And this is what I think about of our loved ones as they've gone on to heaven before us. That we are separated for a little while, but we'll be a reunion. We'll be together eternally, once again, together reunited. Yeah. It's going to be powerful that we were reunited once again yeah. with our loved ones that got on before so us. So Onesimus sins against his Lord. Philemon. He sins against his Lord, Lord. And, he, and he runs from him. Runs from him. And he has an encounter <laughs> with the Lord. The Lord. And there's redemption. And he's freed, freed from his slavery. Yes. That's just such a beautiful picture of, it is. of redemption. It is. That God, that, that actually happened in real life and was recorded that we might, 2,000 plus years later, see it. And it's so powerful that the word of God, I meant many people will say the one book of Philemon, but you see that it is a story of grace. It is a story of love. It is a story of redemption. It is a story. We're going to see that it is the story. And as it goes forward, it is a beautiful picture uh, of love for others. And so it's the love of Christ for us. So here in um, verse 16, it says, um, no longer as a slave, but more than a, a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Mm -hmm. And so he's telling him to receive him now as a brother, no longer as a slave. And so we see that that's a, such a beautiful picture. Ephesians 4.32 says, um, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so we are to see that we are to have a heart to forgiveness for others. And, and as Chris pointed out, this is a beautiful picture of the things that the, that the Lord would do um, for us the redemption and we say a little bit and we're going to see a little bit more as chris was talking about as it ties in here in the next couple of verses so here in verse 17 it says if then you count me as a partner receive him as you would me and this is very powerful because this is the same thing that the lord um, points out to each and every one of us this comes from matthew 10 40 it says he who receives you receives me and he who receives me receives him who sent me Matthew 25, uh, 40 also said, Inasmuch as you did to the least of these, my brother, you did it unto me. And so Jesus said, Lord, receive them as you would receive me. You see the power of Jesus Christ in our sins, that we are sinners, and, and we see that the Lord says, Lord, receive them as you would me. And so we see that the righteousness of Christ we are given. You know, God and, and Jesus, God in, in this whole exchange... He gets the raw end of the deal. Because what do we give him? We give him our filth. We give him our sin. We give him our, our brokenness. And he gives us righteousness. He gives us, he gives us his grace. He gives us our love. And so he, before God, we see that he says, he says to him, just like he said, he said, Jesus said, Lord, receive them as you would receive me. 
It is a beautiful picture of the Lord receiving us and Jesus making intercessions for us. That He is before Christ, we uh, we are whole, and we just love that. And it even gets even a little bit thicker here in verse eighteen. It says, "But if He has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account." And this is also uh, another thing that we see that Onesimus stole something from Philemon, but Paul said, "Put it on my account." It did not cancel his debt, right? It did not cancel his debt, but he said, I'll pay. And this is what Jesus said on each and every one of us, right? When we sinned, the debt wasn't canceled, right? He went up on the cross and he had to surrender his life upon our house. The debt had to be paid, right? The debt had to be paid. And he paid the debt in full that we can be uh, with the Lord in heaven. It's just so beautiful. But it also reminds me when um, our... our um, our accuser, right, the uh, the accuser of the brother and Satan, right, when he, uh, we are being charged for something, he says, uh, Jesus says, or I'm sorry, uh, Satan says, but Jesus says to him, um, put it, when he accuses us before the brother, and when he says, hey, Mike has done all these things, Mike has done all these things against you, Lord, why are you going to allow him in? He said, oh, put it on my account. It's been paid at the cross. Yeah. Put it on my account. It's been paid at the cross. And so we see that Satan no longer has any power over us. It's been paid. So we see that Philemon and uh, Onesimus, uh, and what's interesting that he was a slave, and just the same thing as Chris pointed out, we were a slave to sin. We were a slave to sin before we came to know Christ. And we see the redemption, the, the reconciliation, and now we are reconciled before God. Um, we were slaves to sin, but now we are reconciled to God. And this is the amazing grace of God. And we see in their relationship that they become reconciled. And this is the reconciliation that God wants us to have with him, that we were separated from God because of our sin. And this is the same picture that we see here with Onesimus and Philemon. And, and, a, and a lesson for us with uh, those that have wronged us. Yes. Where's our heart at? Yes. And also, too, you think about here, and also it should be a lesson like kind of like Paul. He is interceding for Onesimus. He is interceding for him. He is actually using some of his influence and saying, hey, Philemon, Count Onesimus, even though he's wrong, you count him as, my, as your brother. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes I think if Onesimus would have tried to go and speak, even in kind, loving words, saying, I've become a believer, he would have still had maybe hatred. But he used his influence as his love to actually open the eyes of Philemon that he would see and he would receive him as a brother. And I just think it's powerful that we sometimes we have influence over other people that we can go speak for them on their behalf and they'll maybe listen a little more. Hey, yes, go ahead. There's also, think about what Paul's trying to do here. And, and it, it's obvious that Paul is going to be greatly blessed if the whole thing works. Sure. He wants there to be a reconciliation. Yes. Well, Paul is is like Christ in this picture. Jesus, our Father in heaven, wants us to do that. He's he actually is probably one of the few ways we can bless him. Yeah. You know, bless is when we uh, do something that is. Uh, out of character for us because we're sinners that, but to forgive do something very godly which is to forgive somebody that's not worthy of yes. yeah and uh yeah. You know, no it is so powerful good Mike. yes I, I don't know um and that's what god is doing for us jesus yes. is sitting at the right hand of the father making intercession satan comes and says yep. says see what Paul did? Oh, you see what Mike did? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Jesus says, 
Put it on my account. That's right. So, like, it's been paid already. That's right. So, so I think about it and doing exactly what Christ wanted him to do. Yes. But, you know, when things really, you know, hit home. Yes. You know, sometimes you, you know, you don't act in a Christ-like fashion. You're right. And so, by Paul setting the example. Yes. Of, you know, kind of what would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. You know, to, you know, uh, Philemon. He's yes. saying, hey, remember. Yes. You know, you're to treat your, you know, fellow man, you know, as a brother in Christ yes. and forgive him. Yes. You know, so, you know, it, I think there's a lot going on here. There is. Yes. And, and he also points out the way that he's actually, uh, the, the way that other believers see him. They see him as walking as a man of God in these things. And so he brings those things up first. And like you said, though, then he, he leads him down this road and then he tells him about Onesimus. And so he, he actually gives him that opportunity to think about all these things before, like you said, though, before we act out in the flesh. And I, I think oftentimes the Lord does those things. And we talked about this last week that I think that oftentimes that we think in our lives that we, we have uh, these interactions with other people and we think like, oh, well, this is just weird that this is kind of along the lines of what's going on. But I think the Lord sends people to try to soften that blow so we can look at things instead of, instead of reacting out of the flesh, instead of reacting out of the flesh, that we can see things that God is trying to use other people to show us that we don't need to act that way. And, and one of the things that really stands out here is that we need to act so much, or we need to be differently than the world. I mean, there's so many Christians that, that I've seen lose their cool and they get excited. Not that we don't all, we all sin. There's nothing wrong with it. But the thing about it is, though, is that we come to the Lord and we ask for forgiveness, but we have to remember always that there's a world out there is looking. And so we need to walk differently than the world. We need to be uh, differently than the world. And that doesn't mean that we need to, you know, be tooting our horn and be Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. We just need to walk differently <laughs> from the Lord. We need to walk differently. We need to walk way differently than the world does. So here in verse 19, it says, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, uh, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides and so we see something here that really jumps out. And as Paul's saying that he's writing his own hand, he's saying, I'm, I'm signing this, that I'm, I can, with my signature, you will receive, get paid back. I love the way the NLT says, um, the NLT says, you um, owe me your um, very soul. And so we see that uh, Paul points out that he had been led to Christ um, by, uh, that he had been led to Christ by Paul. And so we see that we see that here, but he points it out. But I think he does that to to actually not to not to say, hey, you owe me something. He is trying to, as JD pointed out, he's trying to minister to his heart. He's trying to minister his heart. Hey, think about all these things and think about the love that Christ has given you as you come to know Christ. And I don't know when any time, even if somebody's upset with us, if we go back and you start to talk to me about the day that I, the way that my heart was when I came to to receive Christ. I mean, it's just, your heart just melts. I mean, you really feel for others. And so he brings that back. He tried to bring him back to that mental state of when he received Christ. Yes. And so, yes, uh, here in verse 20, it says, Yes, brother, let me have joy uh, from, from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will, have, you will do even more than I say. So we see here that uh, the, the penalty for a runaway slave was death. And we talked about the very least that they would get was that F, they would get an F branded on their forehead. Um, but what we do more, um, because Paul, um, we, we see that Paul, he trusted in the Lord. He, 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 he ministered to, to Philemon as much as he could, 
But this is the point where he says, okay, I, I've ministered to him. I, I've told him about Onesimus. I've told him everything. I've told him to receive him as a brother. But there gets to be that point that now we need to trust in the Lord. And we need to trust in the Lord. Okay, I've done everything that I could. I've interceded to this person. I've done everything I could. And this is the point that he gets to here. And he says, okay, now it is going to be in Philemon's court here. And so here in um, verse 22, it says, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. And so this is Paul um, saying that his, by his heart, that he believes that the prayers that they've been, been praying for him, that he is going to be released from prison. And we're going to see this is actually going to happen because some of the names that are actually mentioned in the next couple of verses um, are no longer with him. And we're going to see that he believes that he will be release, released from prison. And I, I think that many, many of us, and, and before the studies, we always pray, but we should never be surprised when the Lord answers our prayers. We should never be surprised. And it always takes me back. I love the, the prayer meeting when Peter, when he was in prison, right? And, and then we remember that he was in prison and then the church, the church gathered to pray for him to get him out. And the angel let him out. And then he came knocking on the door and, and the lady wrote it, right? She's like, who is it? And they said, oh no, that, that can't be Peter. That's his spirit. And, and, and so she didn't even open the door. She went back and she didn't even open the door. She went back inside and they said, who was it? And he said, oh, he said it was Peter. They said, oh, no, it's a spirit. Let's go see. And they went, they opened the door and went in. They were in awe that Peter was there, but we should never be surprised. It's funny to me that they were gathered praying for him to be released. And then he comes to the door and they can't believe it. They can't believe it. Right. It's like uh, Paul's trying to keep Philemon um, accountable, see how he te treats Onimus, or how do you correct Onesimus, uh huh? Yeah, Onesimus. Yeah. And he, he wants he wants to think, Paul, Paul wants him to think, hey, I'm going to come and come. That's right, yeah. that's right. I'm coming. I'm coming to you. Yeah. I'm coming to you. Yeah. So here in uh, verse 23, it says, In practice, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus uh, greets you, as do Mark, uh, Articus, uh, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. And just some of the people in there, Mark, this is Mark from Mark the Apostle. Um, and so remember that he was with Paul on his very first missionary journey. Um, here, Demas, we remember we talked a little bit about Demas um, when we were together in 2 Timothy 4.10. Um, he left, actually, Paul for the love of the world, and we remember him. Uh, Luke, this is the one that, uh, Luke is the one that writes um, the book, of course, the Gospel of Luke, and he also writes the book of Acts. And so um, it's interesting when we're talking about Paul, or we're talking about Paul writing these, they say that Paul wrote, the, uh, you know, thir 13, or the Holy Spirit inspired him to write uh, 13 books of the New Testament. Uh, but what's interesting, they say that Luke actually wrote actually more, for some of you people that are into Bible trivia, that he actually wrote actually more uh, between the two uh, letters that he wrote, did he actually, content, he actually had more content than uh than actually Paul did, and so I don't know if when we get to heaven, they're, they're probably bragging and saying, oh, I wrote more than you, but I wrote more books, but yeah, I, I wrote more content, you know, I don't know what they're doing in heaven, but, we'll, but we're with the Lord, we'll see that, and so here in verse 25, as usual close, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ um, be with your spirit, amen, and so he asks uh, the grace to be with the spirit of Philemon, and so we can see that he is interceding, and he has a love, and so tonight, as we uh, close tonight, um, one of the things I think that we should also be thinking about um, that we should reflect the love of Christ in all the things that we do and the interactions that we have with one another. Um, I think it's powerful. Amen? Amen. So, Father God, we, we thank you, Lord, um, once again, Lord, for the book of Philemon, Lord, who speaks um, so loudly, Lord, um, that you are a good God and that you love your children. And so, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to be with each and every one of us as we walk through this week, Lord. 
Uh, we ask, Lord, that um, you would be with the people who are also viewing this online. Uh, minister to their hearts, Father. Um, help them to know that you are with us always. And we thank you and we love you. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.